yoga kind of brought me into my feminine energy. And then I came out and I talked about how I kind of wanted to get into my masculine. And that didn't, you know, I had to really, I, I had to join men's groups. I had to start to understand the psychology of what a healthy male is and not being a toxic male and actually living that, you know, and be, you know, living in that masculine energy, but in a, in a healthy way. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on Battle Line Podcast on with just myself, because Chris has been out doing his public speaking um, for the second time, and second time with just myself, CEO and founder of Vet Oga, a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing yoga, meditation, and healing arts to military veterans, their families, and communities. Just Justin Blade Jueski. And I, I wrote down the phonetics, phonetics of that. I have it right, right? Yes, you do. Blade Jueski. Yeah, and I, for those who didn't listen back to episode 112, and maybe after this you'll want to listen back to 112, I just met Justin, really my mom ended up meeting Justin at the airport, saw you with your service dog, and uh, yeah, we sparked up a conversation, and now I'd say you're a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. That's exactly how it went down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll get into what you're doing, but I know that that dog was is Bria, and then I saw on your Instagram you have a new dog, right? Yeah, I have a puppy. So I have a German short pointer puppy. So she's terrorizing Bria right now outside. <laughs> and is that, that another service dog or? So I got her at eight weeks. I'm already training her. So she'll be a service dog too. And I'll, I'll use her to work with veterans uh, with, with trauma. So she'll be part of our yoga school too later on when she gets bigger. And you teach all of that just on your own. You, you just learned how to do that. Yeah. And I kind of touched base on this in our last episode. Ginger was Bria's mom. That was my, my dog. And it was when I talked in the last episode, kind of where I was at the point of suicide, it was 2009. And that's when I got Bria and uh, she was eight weeks or not Bria, Ginger, Bria's mom. And just as my own therapy, just having a dog, you know, dogs are therapy. But I talked about how I noticed when I was having my night terrors or wake up in the middle of the night, like Ginger would come like she'd lick my face. And if I didn't wake up, she'd kind of put her head on my chest and like nudge me. And she was doing that naturally. And then I did research on what was going on and she's feeling, smelling the, your uh, cortisol level. So you release cortisol when you're in that state of uh, stress and they react to that in a natural way. So if you reward it and train them, then they, they, when they do smell it, they come and wake you up 
they soothe you, they do what they need to do. Um, and I took that with Bria when I had these yoga, the yoga teacher trainings, you know, when people are in, in meditation or yoga nidra, um, like the, in the Shavasana, the corpse pose, you know, you kind of go in and out of consciousness. You go down into the Delta and Theta brainwave. And when you're there, your conscious mind turns off and you're kind of in that space. And that's where some of that stuff can come up. And if it comes up, you release cortisol as a rea physical reaction to a trauma. So you're still attached to that trauma. And that's what the dogs, when that happens, they smell, they come over, they kind of bring you back up lightly to consciousness. And that way you're not being ripped out of that trauma dream. Um, and that, that, and that way, when you keep doing that, you kind of let little pieces of that, that trauma out at a time. And eventually it'll kind of dissolve and you'll be healed from that trauma. So dogs are part of that process of allowing it to come out safely. So, you know, I, I, picked up on it with ginger and had trained Bria and Bria picked up on it because she would watch her mom and she's very intuitive. And this little one, uh, Sadie, she's, she's super smart. So I have no question she'll learn. Uh, and she's a sweetheart too. So, um, that'll be the kind of the lineage of my, <laughs> my <laughs> service dogs and, uh, them working with veterans specifically through the yoga school of Vetoga. Yeah. That's so cool, man. And the thing with your business. So we were actually speaking before we recorded, like you're originally based out of upstate New York currently live in California, but Vetoga is based out of DC, right? So. Yeah. So I started the, the company in the 501c3 in Virginia. Um, and I wasn't a business person. I didn't know any of this stuff. Right. And now I had to, now that I live in California and we have the OGIS retreat center is where we, our main operations are out of. That is the, the California headquarters for Vetoga's at OGIS retreat center in Marietta, California. You have to re-register the company in California, but also keep the original Virginia. Um, so that that's how we are with the business. So I, I started out, I grew up in upstate New York until I was 18, went in the Marine Corps. Then I was in DC 20 plus years. I moved out here to California in um, July of 2020. And I've been here since then. And it seems like you love it, like being by the beach and all that. <laughs> yeah, I do. But like we were talking <laughs> about earlier, I got to pay for it. So, you know, I have another full-time job. When I when I talked in our last podcast as a contractor going over the war zones, you know, I do IT stuff for government contracting and I still do that. And I work for Boeing now as a subcontractor oh, nice. in that kind of in that aerospace industry out here. So I get paid uh, well as an engineer, but that's the only reason I can live by the beach here in Manhattan beach where I live now. So, um, but, and just to dive into it a little, I didn't just move here for the beach, right? Like, I've always wanted to kind of move to California or be out here, but I'm not, I didn't know how much healing it, it actually took on me or the toll it took in healing that when I left DC, I, when I came to California, I felt about 25% of my overall stress disappear forever. And I never realized living in the place of where you experience trauma or have negative connotations in the city life and the politics, like that all kept me in that kind of fight or flight mode. And when I, now I live by the beach, when I drive to work, I have a 10 minute commute and I drive and look at the ocean for eight of those minutes. And it, it really has a huge effect on your psyche, on your, your, um, your healing and just your overall well-being. And that's, you know, that's a big reason why I'm here. And I love it here. Like you said, I do love it, but it, it is healing for me. And I, I did it for a reason. It was very calculated. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I people on the podcast know that I kind of bailed out of moving to South Florida a couple of years ago, and it's something that I've always thought of doing. And I, I've been to California, but I South Florida is where I totally feel that escape. And and I, but I, it's I, I told you this before, but like living in Connecticut the past year, I had no connection to that place. Growing up on Long Island, I, I definitely was not one of these people who feels where I live sucks and I hate it. I like a lot of things about Long Island, and, and I'm probably going to stick around here for a little bit more based on some business stuff happening. But, um, yeah, when I'm in South Florida, right by the beach, like, I feel the same way that you're describing. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, you just listen to your own self, right? Listen to your intuition. I visited California in 2009 for the first time. And I got off the plane and I'm like, I f- I'm like, it feels eerie. Like this feels like me. And I'm like, maybe it's grass is greener. But every time I came back, I felt that vibration. Probably like that's kind of what you're, you're feeling in Florida. And, you know, you can't ignore that because if you, you know, D.C. is great. There's a lot to offer in Northern Virginia and D.C. It's amazing. But, you know, you have that intuition that's like, hey, I feel a little more like myself here. Or I yeah. feel happier here. I feel, you know, joy is a word I use. Like, you know, I can be happy and living a productive life, but where do you find joy? And, you know, I found some joy in relaxing here and healing, and that's why I'm here now, but don't ignore it. So listen to it. <laughs> you're, you're right. I'm surprised you haven't moved the actual business to Nevada like so many people do, because Rockable, like the other uh, company that I do podcasts for, like in the wild, they're based out of Nevada now, and Dylan lives in Las Vegas. And I think a lot of California companies are doing that now because of the tax <laughs> benefits, of course. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't a businessman coming into this nonprofit world, and I'm learning, you know, the benefits of where you are and the things like that. But um, the reason we are here, the, I'm here for myself, but sure. uh, my business partner, Gabrielle, that started OGIS Retreat Center which is in Marietta. It's about 90 minutes south, uh, south in, of LA and inland from San Diego. And, you know, that's a big part there. We do all of our teacher trainings and our, our uh, vet, veteran retreats at that, that place. So that's why we have a place there. But if I wasn't there, I'd definitely look for a place that's cheaper where I can afford to have a large scale retreat center that we can afford as opposed to California. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like there's so many, I mean, it'd be weird to get into in depth on here, but like the loopholes that people have where you just kind of set up an address in Nevada, but you're really doing everything in California. Oh, dude, that's another conversation that we'll have offline that, <laughs> yeah, because I, I have I, I have people I work with in my other job that live in Vegas, and then they they work in California, right? You know, that, that increases their salary about 25 to 30%. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's stuff I think about and I'll learn and I may I may do that at some point but you know you gotta I gotta be um, on the straight and narrow because I still get polygraphs for my job so it's like you gotta be ethical you gotta you gotta do everything the right way um, sure so sure. <laughs> no but I mean overall it seems like it's the right move for you I don't know if we got into the actual retreats last time I think we spoke more about like what vet vet yoga is what your story you're overcoming your own trauma through yoga and through your dogs and, and that type of thing. But with the retreats, yeah. is it just based around yoga? Is there more to it? Cause I even think of, you know, this guy truth seeker who we've had on the podcast, who's a podcaster slash musician and author, and he's open about it. I mean, he does these retreats with a lot of alternative medicine and, and a lot of veterans swear by that type of stuff. I, I'm just wondering what it entails for what you guys do on these retreats. Yeah. So I'll get into that a little bit. So I've always, so I started Vitoga, right? And our mission was to 
provide free yoga and me meditation for military veterans, law enforcement, emergency responders. And I wanted to create a yoga school. That was kind of phase two. So we created the school, but we relied on, you know, we taught at the American Legion in Alexandria, Virginia, where we did their trainings there. So we relied on people to donate their space, you know, and I eventually wanted a large scale retreat center, but that takes million plus dollars, right? So we need, we would need a donor. And that was on my, you know, my five-year plan. But in the middle of that, a good friend of mine, a business partner who teaches yoga retreats around the world, her and I teach teacher trainings for regular civilian type yoga stuff. Um, her dream was to own a retreat center. And she's a little bit older than me. And she, she's at the point in her life where she's like, I just want to have that. So when I moved to California, she's like, hey, let's start looking at places for me. And I was part of that process. And we talked about our partnership and business-wise, like what that looks like. So she runs and operates the yoga retreat center um, in Marietta. And Vatoga uses that space for their trainings and their retreats of yoga. But through the rest of the year, there's, there's plant-based medicine retreats, there's women's retreats, there's corporate retreats, there's, there's everything under the sun, but it is a retreat center. So it is for healing and wellness, right? Um, and for Vatoga, our primary mission is for yoga and meditation, but we do partner with other organizations that we are working towards doing different types of retreats. You know? So we're back, that retreat center is also backed up to the Santa Rosa Plateau which is kind of like a national park area. So we do a lot of hiking and things like that. Um, I'm bringing archery into our, our retreats, all these things that are, are kind of other facets of healing besides yoga, like that being outdoors, doing those things. So kind of answering your question, like we do, Vitoga does that and we're trying to expand, but we, we also recognize other veteran organizations that do things like that uh, on a larger scale that we can partner with and kind of just support each other use each other's uh, business and assets to to help veterans that makes sense yeah what, what's the experience level of the people who go on these retreats typically like are there people who have <clears throat> never done any yoga at all or are there a lot of people who are experts who just want to increase what they're able to do it's a good question so are you know anybody off the street can come and do yoga with Vatoga? like we are not an advanced teacher training we're not an advanced practice um, it's about healing and finding out where you are in your body. Right. And the teacher trainings that you do have to have some level of commitment where you're doing the yoga that we are teaching you to teach for six months leading up to the teacher training. And you have to build to teach that kind of yoga sequence Well, this like a beginner level one yoga sequence. Uh, but it's still challenging. Like I could teach that if I taught that to advanced yoga practitioners, that same like physical sequence and told them to do breathing and, it would be a huge, really difficult practice, but you can also scale it and adapt it to where people are. So that that's the type of yoga we do. But in the yoga retreats, you know, the retreats are different than the teacher trainings. The teacher trainings, you're there to learn how to teach yoga. So we're a little more strict and you do have to understand and memorize and do all these things. The retreat, you want you to show up. The yoga is optional, right? We have yoga in the morning and then in the afternoon, we have like a meditation, uh, yoga nidra, where you lie down for an hour and just listen to a guided relaxation. And then we have excursions, we have, you know, hiking, we have the archery, we have all these other things and we bring in um, other types of veterans that are, are doing similar healing practices. But if you just go to a, a retreat, you could be a complete beginner and never have done yoga before and you'll be fine. You can show up on day one and we'll meet you where you are and we'll teach this class. And it's, it's an all levels class is how we, we, um, we teach it. So that makes sense. 
Yeah, is that typical though? Do, do people show up and they say, hey, I've never done a yoga class in my life. I saw this retreat. I, I can use your help. Not yet. I want, I want that to happen. So <laughs> last time we talked, I mentioned our first yoga retreat, which was happening um, shortly after our podcast that we did. And that specifically, so we have 174 teachers that have come through Vetoga's teacher training in the last wow. few years. And that retreat was for them kind of a give back, like, hey, come out here instead of going to a teacher training and having this hardcore like daily uh, practice and teaching, like come here and just relax. Like we, it was kind of like our first retreat was to reward them. And our second retreat, we opened it up to people outside of Vetoga that were also veterans, right? So we had several people come that were not Vatoga teachers that did not come through our training. And one of the guys, a former SEAL, Rob, um, he, you know, he, he's done some yoga and meditation and things, but, you know, wasn't, he wasn't in the daily yoga practice. So he's a big guy and he's a good example. And then my friend Jess, who uh, with Libo Risk is her, her, her company, you know, she had a yoga practice. She's a Marine. Um, she came and a couple other people like they, they were new to yoga that came, but it was everything. They, they had a, a blast and we met them and they, they grew from day one to where the end of the retreat, like they, they had a better practice. Do you think like this, we spoke about this a little bit, but the stigma for veterans and, and this alpha male type thing and yoga is lessening and more and more veterans are open to it because I do think it's become more mainstream it's not looked at as something that is just for females or just for people who who don't want to get there out there and lift weights and do that type of thing um because i could say for me i'll do a vet uh, not a vet toga class i haven't yet but i'll do a yoga class now and again at the same point i love to do weight training i'm a certified personal trainer um i think in the mainstream the stigma has changed and i'm wondering for your experience if it has I hundred I agree in the mainstream is a good word. Like I think collectively the shift has finally happened where you can't like as a man coming out of the military or better and like say yoga is feminine or gay or whatever people used to say when I was starting yoga, right? Like I got shit all the time from <laughs> from my marine <laughs> brothers. But you know, you know, now it's people can't ignore it. And there's a lot more people that are doing it, but they're seeing how it changes their life. Uh it's seeing how they know people that are suicidal and then they come out the other end of, after doing yoga that they're not suicidal. Like there's people that don't want to, don't want to do it yet, but they can't ignore when they see the results of it. Right. Same. Like we talked touched at the end of our podcast, like on plant-based medicine, right. Things like that. Those are things that people are skeptical of, but now the stuff is coming out, you know, with that too, that you can't ignore the results. Uh, and when veterans, like one of us hears about something, we, we have like this back channel thing like hey dude <laughs> like when black rifle coffee came out like every veteran was subscribed to it and nobody even heard of it now like it's becoming mainstream right but um it's funny i got their head on now yeah they um you know it's it's same with yoga like hey back channel just so you know on the on the lowdown there brother like this <laughs> this helped me i know i know you're not open to it but but now you don't have to have that like kind of hesitation be like hey dude you need to go do this like, or, Hey, Hey man, you need to go do this. Like, it's not, they don't have an excuse anymore. They can't say, Oh, that's gay. That's, that's feminine or whatever bullshit that people used to say about yoga. Like, um, cause it, it, it my goal is to prevent suicide period. Right. Like swallow your ego and show up, like do something. Don't sit there and, and suffer in silence. Like 
people that are asking you to do yoga care about you. And, you know, you can't ignore that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and we had uh, Diamond Dallas Page on the podcast a while, <laughs> while back, DDP. Well, he does DDP yoga, which started as YRG, yoga for regular guys. And, and I mean, the big thing that he spoke about with helping veterans through yoga was like this paratrooper in particular who had these major knee injuries, could barely walk around, was using a cane. Now he was doing all these tremendous poses, balancing on one leg, able to walk around, no problem. And that was all through yoga. And when I think of veterans who have major injuries from jumping out of helicopters and that type of thing, you're you're not going to heal that from doing the typical workouts that Marines like yourself like to do. You're not going to get over those injuries, deadlifting 400 pounds or whatever you're doing and bench pressing major weights. Like you're going to need to do some body weight type things and and readjust your balance and and do so, do some yoga to heal those injuries that you've sustained after years of service? I, you know, I mentor, I say mentor, I mentor, but I also, I'm just a friend of people too. And I see them kind of destroying their bodies, like doing CrossFit, tearing things. I only get stem cells now that I can just heal. I'm like, you got to have a plan in place because it will catch up to you. You know, one of our, our teachers and one of our instructors through our yoga Academy, Terry Chappiello, I would say his name wrong, but he's a Marine, right? He had double hip replacements. He had other surgeries while he's in the Marine Corps. And he's one of the di most disciplined yoga practitioners I've ever met. And he practiced I Iyengar yoga. Iyengar yoga is a very disciplined yoga practice where you, you have to be perfectly aligned and there is a right or wrong way to do the pose in that type of yoga. <laughs> like yeah. you will, you know, and he found healing through his injuries and he had some major surgeries, you know, and this guy does, you know, he does decathlon or not decathlon, um, triathlons and things like that but he also uses yoga as to the longevity of his body right like this guy is in great shape he's a good example uh, and i also find other people where even at work like and outside of my yoga world i see these people that lift weights to deal with stuff and then they're like man i'm having these injuries you know i know you're a yoga guy like i get that a lot i know you're the yoga guy can you help me and what i do is i kind of show them some basic stretching and basic calisthenic uh isolation uh, strengthening around joint mobility, things like that, where, you know, and that's just because of my, my knowledge base as a, as a body worker, as a yoga teacher, as a trainer, like, you know, but my friends come to me and they kind of like surrender their ego, right? They're like, Hey, sure. I know you do that. I know you do that yoga shit. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm having, I'm having pain. I'm having this. And I'm like, yeah, you're doing that. Cause you're just constantly beating your body up. Like that's part of it's your ego. Part of it's, um, I call it spiritual bypassing. So like, you know, I have friend, a, lot, a lot of people that do CrossFit, you know, their alpha personality, they're just, they're kind of doing self-punishment, but they're bypassing doing therapy and doing the work because they're hiding from something or running from something, right? People do that in yoga too, where they get too far down the spiritual path where they're bypassing, actually stopping and doing the work internally, right? So physically, you know, a lot of people that are destroying their bodies, it's because there's something deeper going on that they're ignoring. Right. We call it bypassing, um, doing the fucking work. Right. Like, yeah. and it's hard, like for me as a man, you know, yoga wasn't my end all be all. Uh, I, I kind of touched on this last time too, where yoga kind of brought me into my feminine energy. And then I came out and I talked about how I kind of wanted to get into my masculine and that didn't, you know, I had to really, I, I had to join men's groups. I had to start to understand the psychology of what a healthy male is and not being a toxic male and actually living that 
you know, and be, you know, living in that masculine energy, but in a, in a healthy way. And, you know, that's hard work. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, people do like to make fun of it. And I know like if Chris was on, he would the whole toxic masculinity thing. And, and I think what you're saying is it's a very real thing, but it's become overused to mean anything masculine is toxic. And no, there could be things that you do as a man that are toxic and it's not every single thing in the category of masculinity. Yeah. And there's, you know, I, I think once you start doing the work it, now with social media, you get these pop-ups of these, you know, these, these men that are doing the work and teaching what that is. Right. Like, you know, I think we're kind of over that, that, the fallout of the me too movement where all men are, all men are toxic. Right. Like women are starting to, you know, find out that, Oh shit, we pushed them away. And there's a lot of women thirties, forties, fifties that are, are alone because they pushed, they, they jumped on saying that all men were bad and, you know, we're not perfect, but we're not all toxic either. Right. And as a man, you need to, to know yourself well and know when you're not living in, in integrity and when you are a good man, like I have friends that, you know, and I'm not perfect. I, I was an asshole. I talked about that. Like when I was in my stress of my, my darkest times, like I was mean to the people around me. I pushed away my people, my girlfriends, my family. Um, so you have to surrender and do the work. And it, it's, it's, it's gnarly. Like it, it's a lot of work. Like it, it, and most men aren't willing to do that. And they go on living, you know, in this, this lifestyle, beating themselves up to kind of bypass dealing with their, their real issues and actually doing the work to heal and become a, a, a healthy male. Like, yeah, absolutely. And when, when you said about the fallout over the Me Too movement, I, I do agree it's changed a little, but at the same time, I go on social media and it's both like Twitter, Instagram, all the major social media. And there's this huge, I guess it's like, you know, you have one side, like the red pill people, and then you have the <laughs> feminist people and it's become this man against women thing. And and I look at all the major clips that hit Instagram of podcasts and it's actually become very repetitive. It's a lot of these people being and interviewing is. women being like, would you rather date a man who makes $500,000, but is, you know, not fulfilled with life or, or would you rather date this guy? And I, I don't know, man, I'm not, I, I do agree with what you're saying that there's, there has to be a balance of masculine and feminine energy, both within, within ourselves, but also within our greater space as, as a general population. And I do still think in the current uh, culture, it's become very uh, man against women and, and, all women are this and all men are that and not treating ourselves as the individuals that we are. And I think a lot of that is due to social media for sure. It is. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this concept. We're taking gender out of the equation. We're just saying, you know, men and women as it's, as it is, you know, we're looking at, I'm a, a, a natural born man and you're a natural born woman. And we're talking about this dynamic of, and then into the psyche of, Hey, this man's toxic when the woman's looking at him or, Hey, this woman, you know, these conversations, like you're saying, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Andrew Tate, but that fucking dude shows up all over the place on the internet. Oh, for sure. But, you know, he was one of the original, like pointing at women, like get a group of women and like, say, Hey, you know, you only want, like you're talking about, you only want these men for their money, you know, and only 1% of the population is over six foot tall in shape, has money, all these things. So it, it is this repetitive <laughs> like man against woman. And 
there's a lot of other uh, men I've been seeing lately that kind of do that. But it, what it's doing, it is opening a dialogue to face these questions, right? Like, and not all of them, it is, a, I don't want to say it's a man against woman. Like a lot of them are just opening the dialogue. Like maybe you didn't know that that only 1% of the population fits your criteria. You know, I have a lot of women friends. I'm like, like, what, you know, if I'd said that, what, what is the minimum for a man to make that you would think is a minimum? And they're like $500,000. And you're like, how many men do you think are over six foot tall, make $500,000 and let's are attractive. And it's like 0.05% of the population or something. And they're like, fuck, like, I didn't know that. And, you know, people live in a dream world because of social media, because of movies, like, and men are guilty of it too. Like we're, you know, women go ahead and they get all these, these fake lips, they get this plastic surgery, you know, men, you know, and then it becoming normalized now, like, as opposed to naturalness, like it's, it, it goes both ways. Right. Like, and especially like a, where you live and even where I live in New dude. York, there's, there's such a difference between if I go to visit Chris in Kansas, what the typical person looks like and what the <laughs> typical person in New York city looks like, because I do think people in LA and New York city do try to live up to something that they see on their phones, on the real housewives, on all of that. I think at a subconscious level as a young developing female, like I have young sisters, I have nieces, you know, and nephews, like I know I've seen that direct effect of what they think is normal. And it's fucking scary. Like, and I know my teenage nephews are like scared to talk to girls because they don't want to get like offended. And like, they're going to all of a sudden be the bad guy because of this society. But yeah, it's tough in LA. Like I'm, I'm single right now and I'm, you know, living my life. I'm in a good place. I'm happy. I got my dogs, but I also don't settle like in 90% of the women out here, there's some, some kind of fakeness going on and, or they just want that guy with the money. And that's a lot of it's in New York too, but I'm here for myself. I'm here for the beach. I'm not here to like, you know, and if I happen to meet somebody cool, but you know, um, I, I cannot ignore what I see in my experience and dating here. Like it's, you know, it's, it's in my face. So LA is definitely <laughs> a tough place for that. But Oh, I hear you. I, I went on a date recently with a girl in New York city and I genuinely think it was more about, I want to post pictures on Instagram that I'm at this place than about getting to know me or <laughs> even me getting to know her. I've seen this because I'm single as well. I've seen the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like I, I did, I mean, like at the end of the year, I delete the dating apps. It's kind of like a cleansing for a month or two. <laughs> I'm not I on just, any of them, actually. Yeah. Uh, I start. I started using it again, but I put on there my profile like no fake lips, no that like I put like <laughs> the, and I get a lot of. Um, it's funny. I get a lot of banter from people that have fake lips, and they're like, and I'm like, hey, why do you have fake lips? Like, and they're like, well, I feel like something's wrong with me when I don't have them. And I'm like, well, where did that come from? Like, like not like I want to date you, but like I, I yeah. do get these women, they get feel challenged and then they have a conversation and they kind of dive down and look at, I was programmed that way. Like you have to look like the back when we were younger, Jessica rabbit, right? Like that. Sure. And now I don't, you know, it's every, everywhere in the, you know, in the movies and things, everything's fake and enough, they don't show reality. And same with social media, every filter, every girl you talk to has a filter on like in their pictures, like things like that, like that's not reality. And then these kids see that and they think that's what they're supposed to look like. And then you, you know, you develop these uh, body image issues, right. Which is, is what a lot of this comes from. And it's sad. And men do that too. Like, you know, we, but we're, we're, we're not as, focused on the filters and the things like that like we're a little different we have our own problems but 
Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode, part two, because we did do an episode a while back with Justin from Vetoga. Uh, great to have him back on the podcast over a year later. We got into quite a lot of different issues, stuff that I had no uh, idea we were going to tap into, but I hope you're all enjoying it and getting some positivity out of it. Uh, before we go any further, if you're a longtime listener, you know that Fort Scott Munitions sponsors every episode of this show, and we love them for it. It's the best ammo out there, and it tumbles upon impact in soft tissue, which is their trademark, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. It was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design, and it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammo being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Now, you can go to the dealer locator on FSM.com, and you'll be able to find a dealer by you that sells Fort Scott Munitions ammo. Uh, but if you want to get a 15% off discount through us, you just go to FSM.com, and you use the promo code BATTLELINE, one word for 15% off. That's good on all ammo, on all merch. Uh, you'll get a discount on some of the higher price point items like Photonis Defense because otherwise they would be uh, selling that at a loss because that's some super high quality grade stuff. But you'll get the best deal on any of that through us when you go to FSM.com and use the promo code BATTLELINE. Ammo, once again, any of that stuff, 15% off when you use the promo code BATTLELINE at FSM.com. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast. And you know what? We're sitting here talking about a great California veteran run uh, and helping veterans business through Vetoga, a 501c3. Well, the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, much like Vetoga, is out of California since um, we know Justin himself is in California and also uh, Sean Lake and the staff at Bubs are in California and they do great things with the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, which uh, anytime you're buying stuff through Bubs Naturals, you're helping out the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. Now, uh, all their products are great. They have Bubs Brew now. They have their own coffee, uh, but their, their biggest product, I would say, is their collagen protein, which is single-sourced. It's just uh, ground cowhide, and yeah, it's single source once again, 100% NSF for sports certified brand, and they do not compromise quality. Great for hair, skin, nails. It is one of the best supplements out there that is absolutely crucial for anyone, whether you're male, female, um, whether you're an athlete, or you're just looking to recover from some injuries and feel your best. They also have their MCT oil powder, um, medium chain triglyceride oil derived from 100% virgin coconut oil, which is a fantastic healthy fat sourced. And uh, yeah, they just have great products all around. Their apple cider vinegar gummies for cleansing. Check them out. It's at bubsnaturals.com. You've probably seen their stuff in stores, but you'll get the best discount through us. Once again, when you go to bubsnaturals.com, but you got to use the promo code BATTLELINE and you'll get 20% off. A lot of our listeners have checked them out, and they are regular customers now and have checked out all their products and are having great results. So give them a look, bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE. With that, let's get right back to Justin. But I, I do think 
both men and women are trying to present something that's greater than they are for the public a lot of the times and not be their authentic selves have you seen um that woman who was the first America's Next Top Model, Adrienne Curry, because she's been like extremely vocal about that type of thing. She had breast implants and all that and, and recently got them removed. I don't even know if recently, probably in the past couple of years. A lot, a lot. But, yeah. yeah, but she was very open about and look, it's not something you or I could obviously relate to. But I take her word that it's real because it's happening to thousands of women, apparently, that she's saying I had breast implant illness and I was not able to work out the way that I used to. And I felt terrible every day and I got these things removed and, you know, I should have just kept with what I had, but at the same time, like I finally feel like myself again. And I, I don't find it hard to believe that if you're putting all different types of toxins in your body and you're putting, I mean, uh, uh, what's it called uh, with injections, I was going to say, is it toxin in itself? Uh, what, what's Botox? the word? Yeah. Botox, right. Botox is a toxin. And, I mean, look, I talk to plenty of women who have different work done and I'm not judging any of that. And some of them look great and some of them have overdone it. But I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that if you're putting all these foreign objects into your body, there's going to be some type of blowback of your body rejecting this and saying, well, this is not supposed to be in here. Just like if you eat crappy <laughs> foods all the time and processed foods, your body rejects that. So, you know, a couple of things there. Before I went down my went in the Marine Corps, like and chose a path of an engineer. Like when I went to, I got out of the Marine Corps and I went to school. I started, I started a dual bachelor's in electrical and chemical engineering because I was obsessed with. I like I love chemistry just and how it worked and you know studying nutrition and learning throughout life of like when you have an inorganic structure, anything that enters your body, it is a foreign object, right? Like your body produces uh, things. It, mostly inflammation and different types of chemicals to go deal with that threat. And the moment you have something foreign in your body, let's say a breast implant, whether you like it or not, you are now not in your homeostasis. Like you do not, same when you're eating shitty food, that's processed, that's synthetic, that's GMO. Like the cilia in your stomach know the difference between an organic structure and an inorganic structure. So like if you had genetically modified corn, it, it, it creates an inflammation automatically in your stomach like people have these allergies to gluten and corn all this it's not allergies to gluten or corn it's allergies to an inorganic structure like and when you're putting implants and getting botox like your body is in fight or flight mode at some kind of level to process that toxin out and until it's out you are living in that and you have some level whether it's five percent or one percent or 0.5 percent of inflammation in the body that's not supposed to be there which wreaks your hat on nervous system. And then it steals energy from your, your uh, system, your uh, one, protect yourself, your um, immune system. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's the big one. Like when you're, when you have that stuff in your body, your, your body, the ability to fight off anything else is compromised. Right. So the syndrome, when you have the breast implants, I can't remember the name of the syndrome, like this one fitness model I followed, she was a cute little Brazilian girl ripped, still positive. Like I love watching her, like, um, do her, her positivity and, and talk about it. And all of a sudden she got sick and she was, had this illness and one of her breast implants was leaking and she was having the, 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 I can't remember the name of that, what it, the disorder it is when you have the, the reaction. I've just heard breast implant illness is whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's whatever. And that was my first, um, experience hearing that. And then, uh, I heard multiple other people have those problems and this goes back to like, it is, it is cool to get breast implants. Like it's trendy and wimp, but <laughs> 
there's different levels, right? Like I have a neighbor who got them because she didn't have, she didn't feel like a woman. She had like, she said, I had these tiny little boobs. I felt masculine. I didn't feel feminine. And then she, I saw her demeanor change. I saw my friend's little sister when we were younger, that happened to her. She was flat chested and she got her breast implants. And I saw her change as a person, her confidence. She felt like a woman. She felt feminine. And then here I'm in LA and I see like the, the extreme of it where people are over the top, like it's in your face. Like they don't even look like real boobs. Right. And that's, that's a different reason to get those. That's, there's some kind of dysphoria in their brain, their body image that they don't feel like a person unless they get these like cartoon yeah. boobies. And, but the, the pendulum on that is kind of coming down. Kim Kardashian, you know, getting her breast implants out, like these figures. Are they out completely people, or they're reduced? They're probably, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like just yeah, the fact that it's yeah. okay. It's, it, it's becoming a mainstream. Okay. To not have to have these ginormous boobs and it'll, you know, it'll, it'll run its course. And I feel like it'll shake out. Like a lot of women will start to think about it twice, you know, whether or not to do this. I mean, the really wild thing is, I don't know if you listened back to it by any chance, but I've had, and, I, and I've known Kristen back for years, had chief back on the podcast, you know, now, Chris Beck, but but the first transgender, openly transgender Navy SEAL. And I've known Kristen Beck when Kristen first transitioned to Kristen. And my voice was in the CNN documentary talking about Kristen's life. And I was accepted. If this is what this person wants to do, that's fine because great person, love speaking with them, but has now completely detransitioned and, you know, has taken the implants out. And, and Kristen said on the podcast with me, or Chris, it's funny because I just know them as Kristen, but Chief yeah. Beck sat on the podcast with me. Like, I believe I probably reduced years of my life getting all these surgeries done, getting estrogen. And look, there might be some people who I would say maybe this works for them. Maybe it doesn't. This isn't to judge everybody who is on this spectrum of being transgender, but I, I don't want to si I definitely want to uh, amplify and not silence these people like Chief Beck who come out who are at the forefront of fighting for these issues, who are now saying, yeah, I was dealing with a lot of depression, substance abuse, and therapists convinced me that I should do this to myself. And years later, I, I am not on board with this at all and don't want children doing this. And I think children are being influenced to do this. And if there's anyone I'm going to listen to on that, it's Chief Beck. So. Well, you know, this is obviously a touchy subject, but I have, you know, I have several friends that have transitioned. I have friends that are still happy. I have friends that are not happy and transitioning back and having lots of issues. Um, and I, you know, and I, I look at it, the, you got to look at the root of why somebody transitions, right? Like if you, your entire life felt like you're the other gender and you wanted to transition, like, and it comes from a natural place, like, you know, to everybody do what do you, but a lot of, you know, the term gender dysphoria, it's a dysphoria. Like you don't feel like you're in the right body. Like, and a lot of that comes from trauma, childhood trauma. Like uh, it's a defense mechanism to, Hey, if I'm a woman, I'm not going to get treated this way. Or if I'm a man, I'm not going to get treated this way. Like it's down in the psyche. I'm not a psychologist, but sure. I, I also, I also use my common sense and I, I educate myself. Like um, I do not agree with children getting hormonal therapy. And, you know, right now a 14 year old in California can go without their parents' permission and get transition to hormone therapy like and I follow I can't remember her name but you know the psychologist that she worked with a lot of 25 26 year olds that were uh have transitioned but were suicidal and you know your brain is not fully developed until you're in your mid-20s right so the big thing with her is that hey I'm dealing with this 
this fallout of huge amount of suicidal uh, people have transitioned and realized that they, in their mind, fucked up and they want to undo it. And she's like, you can only do so much. Like you started this therapy, you cut this off, you added this, like your body has changed, your hormones have changed. You've, you've went down that path and, you know, and that's not for everybody, but that's, a, you know, like you said, some people are having this very negative fallout from that. And, you know, everybody should do what they, that makes them feel safe and makes them feel like who they truly are, but they need, you know, I don't think you should do it because it's cool or you yeah. feel like you're safe. Like, I feel like you need to educate yourself. And these children don't have that understanding. No fucking way. Like even as a teenager, you don't have the understanding. So I'm not telling people, it's not my, not my place to tell somebody what to do, but be mindful and listen and educate yourself of what, what's going on. If you're, you know, we talk, my job to prevent suicide in my life for veterans, but you know, there's a lot of people that are not feeling okay and they want to commit suicide because they're feeling bullied or they don't feel like themselves. And they, you know, all of a sudden, if, if they become transgender, like they don't have to feel, they don't have to sit in that emotion anymore. They can feel yeah. happier, but what does that come with? Right? Like you're, it's like, maybe it's a temporary solution to what you, the pain you're dealing with. Um, so if you know people that are in those places or young people or people, anybody at any age, like just love them openly for who they are and hold space for them, but also like challenge them to like speak their truth. Like, why did you do this? Where did this come from? Do you feel like your true self? Like, and are you having any negative things? And like, if so, like talk about it, like don't hide. Cause that's another thing. Maybe somebody will feel shame. They're like, I transitioned and I, I think I fucked up and I don't feel okay. Like, and now they're too far gone. Like, and that well, it's the ultimate, this, yeah, ultimate form of regret. So, and, and it's with these social media, with your persona, it's your whole livelihood. Like, maybe now you're you're this woman that transitioned from a man, and you have the social media pressure to stay there. Like, like we, you know, like I said, my goal is I don't want people. I want people to be who they are and be authentic. But if you feel if you're something's negative, like, or you know, people that are are having a hard time, like, just make sure it's an open conversation it should be okay and not taboo to talk about this stuff and just like the fake boobs like it's becoming more normal for people to detransition because they went a certain way and then they they don't feel that way anymore and it shouldn't they even if they have lived this life and now they're this famous figure uh, as a female they shouldn't feel like any of that is is it should be negative to to speak their truth and to detransition or to to do to live their life they want they want to so it's just this is a tough subject to talk about because it, people get triggered and of oh, course know, yeah and, I, went, and, and, and I, with, I didn't even you know it's like this is the great thing about podcasts because it was completely just somehow we got here but i think they're important issues and it's stuff that i've ended up discussing on the podcast with people who are who are in that community like i said chief beck but i i think actually tying into what you do like that is the great thing about whether it's nature, whether it's yoga, whether it's any type of retreat, is that people are so tied into technology that I actually think it's rare for people to get just an hour to be within their bodies, to be mindful, and to forget all the outside world, all the outside influence, and remember who they truly are. I think that's why, like, what you guys are doing has such a positive impact. You know, my teacher... So I, my teacher's name is Dharma Mitra. I didn't, we didn't talk about this, I don't think, but he's in New York City. He's in, um, in the Flatiron District. He had a place for years. Uh, he's been teaching for, since the 70s, right? Like, I've done all my trainings with him. He's in his, he's 90, in his, or his 80s right now, but he's like, 
we're doing yoga, it's like every chance you get go within, like, what does that mean? So why, like when we're doing these yoga practices, not just yoga, when you're in nature, like that's yoga, when you feel connected to your true self, that's the definition of yoga. Yoga means yoke. Yoke is in union with your soul, your true self. Like that's what yoga is. But to get there, you have to turn off the mind. You have to turn off all the shit, sort of the chatter in the mind and all this bullshit we teach ourselves over the years um, of, of like who you really are is that deep within soul. And we do do that. And it's not, it's, that's the definition of yoga. And it doesn't have to be doing this physical practice. Like that's not real yoga. Real yoga is connecting to the true self. And I challenge everyone if they're struggling or they're doing these other things, like who are you? And are you living in, are you living out of integrity with yourself? Like, you know, who your true self is, you know, when you're doing something that's not in alignment with your true self, like we, you know, like I said, we, our main goal is to prevent suicide. You know, that's because people are struggling and they're, they've disconnected from that place of love and, and who they are. Like they're not living in that. And yoga is to find the way back there. And real quick, not to get too philosophical, but like in the yoga sutras, which is like kind of the, the main, one of the main manuals back in the day, thousands of years ago, it's yogas chitta vritti narodaha, which is yoga is the calming of the fluctuations in the mind. And when we live in trauma, when we live in these constant states of uh, fight or flight, when we have stress in general, not just war veterans, this is anybody, right? Like you have that chatter that's, that's negatively impacting who you are. Like you have to find a way to, to calm that mind, to calm those thoughts and go within and connect with yourself. And that's, that, that is what we do And it, but it, it trans it transcends any, anybody in the world. It's not just people who want to practice yoga or veterans or things like that. So. so in the past, I think it's been like 15 months or something since I last spoke to you and since you were last on the podcast. And, and once again, if people want to check that out, it's episode 112. It doesn't have Justin's name in the title. I think it's helping veterans through yoga, I believe is the title. Uh, has there been anyone that you've introduced the practice to, or someone who's come into that Oga, whether it's you or another, uh, instructor and said, yeah, I was, I was contemplating suicide and this is something that's turning my life around. Has there been any of that? So we've done, let's see, when was that? That was December, December, 2021. So we've done yeah. a teacher training and a yoga retreat. And I'm looking back and I 100%, we had a couple people in that teacher training share their stories that how they were contemplating suicide. And I, so we do these testimonials during our teacher training. So we get their class picture and their Vetoga t-shirt. And then we do videos of, Hey, how are you feeling? Why are you here? How has Vetoga changed your life? How's this? And uh, a couple people went, went down the deep rabbit hole of like, I, I was, I was ready to kill myself and I found this, or I, I talked to Justin or I found Vitoga and yes, a hundred percent that has happened. And, and since then I've, you know, I, I get these calls in the middle of the night. Still, I get people that are ready to commit suicide that look at me as a leader, as a, a person that can, they can talk to. Um, Cause they know you've been there. They know. And it's because of things like this, where I can speak publicly and people, not just people have done the trainings with me, but people, Hey, so-and-so told me about you. And they told me you went through this shit. Like, and it happens and you know, it's fucking hard. Like I'm very, I'm okay with holding space for anybody. 
like uh, yesterday, a, a friend of mine, she had a fucking meltdown. She was driving yesterday and she had a meltdown and called me. She's not a yogi, not a veteran. And, you know, it's, I think I feel like I do give off this energy and persona and I'm glad I do because I'd rather they call me because I, I know how to, how, how to talk about that stuff. If somebody's there in that place, I know how to talk them out of that place because I can connect immediately where they are and I know where they're at and I know what they're feeling. And I'm like, how do I get them out of here? How do I get the, how do I get them to a place where they can be okay? Right. Yeah. So, and to answer your question, it, it has happened and it happens all the time. And, you know, that's, I believe that's why I'm here on this earth is to, to share this with other people that have been, they're going through what I've been through and to keep people on this earth, not commit suicide in any way I can help. Not just yoga. Like I said, I had a friend yesterday, not, nothing to do with my yoga. It's because of my, how I, per, how my, how I'm perceived in public. Right. Like, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that's truly an amazing gift to have that you can connect with people on that level. And that through your own trauma, you're able to help them through their trauma. And I think for some people, they, they might go, this is too much of a burden to have. I mean, some people, might not want people calling them at all hours of the day and on or not that it happens every day, but on random days and that you have to talk them off the ledge because it could, could tap into your own emotions and your own history of being there. But I think your realization that like, this is my purpose of being here. And it's not just, we're not just here to work a job and make money and pay bills. Like we, we all have some type of individual talents and some type of purpose. And, you've you've tapped into yours and probably if you never went through that dark place it seems like you never would have no and i knew i told my mom like it's funny you know i went in the marine corps never touched the war zone and then as this contractor all of a sudden i'm in bumfuck afghanistan <laughs> for two three months with no comms with anybody and i leave and i like, tell my mom like listen i don't know i just know i'm here for something else like i'm not gonna die like I did that dozens of, I've had that conversation with my mom dozens of times. Hey, trust that I'm, I'm here for something else. And that, that she wouldn't hear me, hear from me for weeks or months, like out doing what I did. And, you know, I, when I did my yoga teacher training with Dharma Mitra, it wasn't to become a teacher. I went there for, to deepen my yoga practice and to understand what the door I opened that felt good. When I said I, in my first yoga class, I tasted that sweetness, that bliss, that healing that happens through yoga, I wanted to know more about it. And when I got out the other end of my training, I was like, fuck, I'm obligated to find people and share this. Like people like me, not civilians, not like making money as a yoga teacher. Like I'm supposed to be. And I did. I went back to the war zones for a year and I taught yoga over there. And then I taught and created a space in yoga studios around Virginia and DC to teach and, and to open it up. And through my, you know, it also forced me to face my demons. I'm like, I need to be true and heal. When I'm talking, I need to be authentic. So I need to heal myself. I need to, whatever I speak has to be something I've been through. If I'm talking, telling you to heal yourself. I need to heal myself. Like I, I really believe in it, living in integrity and I will not speak out of that. Like if I don't know something or haven't been through it, I will, I will let you know. But that also held me accountable to heal myself more and to really dive in. Like I talk about these men's groups, like this shit's not easy. Like, and I hold myself accountable. And when I speak publicly and I, it's like an accountability, I say, you have to have an accountability buddy. Like I'm going to do this challenge, this 22 a day push up challenge for 22 days, 22 push ups for 22 days or whatever. That's a big one that goes around. Yeah. And 
say it publicly because then somebody's going to say, Hey, did you do your pushups today? You know, that's one reason. But if you say like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to live this life and be this person. Like, and you say it publicly, like you can't, once the truth is out there, you can't take it back. Right. So, and sure. you know, and that, and it gives you guilt and drive and, and a good guilt and a good drive to live in integrity and not fail or give up on those things because it shit's hard. Like it's hard work living in integrity and to help people. It's interesting you mentioned the 22 pushups a day because I had on uh, last week, Nick Merrick, and he, he runs a group uh, called Green Beret Racing. And it's, it originally started as just motorcycle, car racing, that type of thing. But now they do other stuff with martial arts, as he spoke to me about. But I think you and him are both people of action with your organizations in that he said to me last week, and it's one of the clips I posted, like, I, I don't know anyone who has stopped themselves from taking their own life because some guy did 22 pushups a day. And he's like, what our organization is doing is getting guys out and giving them an outlet for that competition that they want to have in their life and new purpose. And whether that's getting on a motorcycle or racing, and then for you taking up yoga and, and doing something new, doing something that might be uncomfortable to them. Like, I think those are the things that really make an impact on people's lives and, and not just the, these statements. And it is, he said it himself yeah. last week, like it's great to have awareness about this, but there's gotta be something that follows that up because it hasn't, it certainly didn't solve the problem. You know, and I, I live, I, I appreciate him and I can understand that because it, awareness is great. Like that, that number 22 came from 10 years ago when we went we are already decades behind the suicide of veterans from the Vietnam war and up. And this at the time it was like 2009 or whatever, 22 people were killing themselves a day. And that statistic grew to like 30, 40 people a day. And in 2019, it kind of took a dip down because people were starting to do these things like yoga, meditation, the VA was starting to get their shit together, things like that. But, you know, it kind of bumps up here and there, like when Afghanistan kicked off, when we pulled out, like there was an uptick in suicide, right? Like, and, and I would think COVID, lockdowns, that stuff certainly didn't that, help, I would say. You know, and I follow these statistics because I, I, I present and lecture on that and 22 is just a baseline it became a huge like term but you're right you need fucking action like you need you need to actually do what you're saying you're going to do you need to uh live in integrity of your mission of you are working with veterans like you can't like cool uh, you know my friends do that because they're like oh hey i'm going to do 22 push-ups kind of like looking for me to validate that they're doing it <laughs> yeah and i and i understand that and i do hey i'll do it with you yeah. Fucking chump change. I'll do it with you. And <laughs> they do it for 22 days. And they're like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. And I'm like, cool. Why, why don't you go find a veteran in your community and, and go buy him a cup of coffee? Why don't you go talk to somebody? Like, that's cool that you're on social media doing pushups, but like, go do this. So like, like going back to what your friend was doing, you have to be in action. Every day I get people, Oh, you should do this. You should do that. And I'm like, cool. Well, how about you give me the millions of dollars for a nonprofit needs to execute and do those things. Like it, you know, action is cool. You can say whatever you want. Like, yeah, I would love to do all the things that people have told me to do or asked me to do, but it, it, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do the real work. Somebody has to raise the money. Like, and, and some of it, as, as you just said, it, it doesn't need to be a big statement on social media. It could be just, yeah, meeting someone 
that you see around town, like you said, who's a veteran, who's out buying coffee, picking it up for them, or or just having a small conversation with people could make a world of difference. I think just like these small actions do a lot, way more than than doing something for social media and to get likes. I think like real life interaction is where it's at. It is, and you know, I I'm, I don't really care about social media all that. But Toga, we have a few thousand followers. Like we're not like hundreds or millions of followers, and like some nonprofits, like they're they're like we won't even go public until we get a million followers we do this we get a million dollars in the bank like from day one when i started this company and went to be a nonprofit, i had so many people tell me you need to wait you need to wait till you have this much money you need to wait until you're doing this and i said fuck you like i'm gonna go do this mission and whether i'm touching one veteran with my with no money like in my back pocket and doing this i don't care and that's what it was in the beginning and it's still like i still struggle as a nonprofit. i'm still doing this with peanuts like I'm affecting, like I said, we have 178 teachers that have come through our teacher training. They've touched tens of thousands of veterans' lives. And that all came from me, opening my mouth and becoming a yoga teacher. Like, that makes me, my heart warm inside to know, like, I'm not alone because that's, you know, that's the tough part. And the more I do this, the more people that are getting help and the more uh, teachers I have that are representing the mission with authenticity of a model we've created. Uh, and I know they're out there advocating and helping people. So when I tell people that are not part of my organization, like I said, if you do meet a veteran, like what can you do? What's some, a small gesture, like, like a cup of coffee or just talk to somebody like, Hey, can you tell me about your service and like what you did? I'm just curious. I'm an ignorant civilian. <laughs> sure. Like, you know, like, and not in a negative way. It's just like, I don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And like, you know, you're a civilian. It's like, it's not a negative. It, it, veterans don't care. Like, oh, you're a dog dog, nasty civilian. Like, <laughs> like it's like, you're, what you're doing is fucking amazing. Like, and you are doing a lot more than a lot of fucking veterans do. Sorry, I keep swearing now. Um, <laughs> no, you say whatever you And And to me, I mean, look, I, I'm not, I, have the pri- I, I feel like I have the privilege of that. I just got to meet veterans originally from my time at Sirius XM. And it was like originally Brandon Webb and Chris Peranto and, and this type of thing just happened. And, and truthfully, like, it's not, this is not a charity organization, what we do. And, you know, we're trying to pull a profit doing what we do, but if we could do something positive in the process and bring people on who are going to uplift people or tell them something that they didn't know about. I mean, I, I think that's great. I think that's great. If it, and, and letting people know about organizations like yours that they could donate to. Yeah. And it's like the, you're a voice for lots of people. Like you reach a lot of people that I can't reach. Right. Like that's why we're here. Like there's a lot of reasons we're here, but that's one of them. Like, and that's why I never say no to an interview or why well, actually I take that back. I've said, no, if I don't feel, <laughs> if I don't feel, if I don't feel an integrity with some, some people's intentions are not pure. And I've, I've felt that and I denied them. Um, And it's funny, like, I'm not a big fan of CNN, but like they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, you want to do this piece? And I'm like, I know all my, my liberal and lefty friends. Like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, they're going to die and see me on CNN because they know I, like, I don't like, there's a lot of stuff in CNN and like, I I don't agree with. And um, it's just funny. Of course I I didn't interview with them and they did a beautiful piece on me. Yeah. And I've gotten, you know, things like that go out public and there is people reach out to me based off on what they see. And they're like, Hey, I saw you on CNN. And I know for a fact, those people don't watch Fox news. Like 
so if Fox News came to me, I would do a piece with them too. Like I know, like I, there's no politics involved what I'm doing. Like I just know some of my friends are one side or the other. Like, but same with veterans. Like they're split too politically. And if they if they can if I know they're watching this, then I have a chance to reach them through some other media platform. And this is another platform. Like you have a mixed crowd of people that listen. Um, so there's people in there, somebody in there that's struggling that's listening to this today or when they listen to this, like, there's no question. Yeah. And, and that is the unfortunate thing that, that anything that you could tie into politics is going to get more of a listenership, more of a viewership than just purely, I am here to help veterans out and this is what I have to offer. And if you could tie it in some way to the liberal <laughs> agenda or their conservative agenda, then yeah, mo- mo- like that and 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 I say it all the time in the podcast. It's not necessarily the media to blame. We have ourselves to blame because if that's not what people shared and clicked on and discussed, then that would not be what they covered. Because the media is in the business to sell people to advertisers to make money. That's what they do. And if people did share more uplifting, positive stories, <laughs> they would cover more of it. It's 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 totally just the, the demand. Well, it's all about the money. But do you remember the good news movement during COVID? The, what's yeah, I did see a little bit sure. Like, he's joking around and like, hey, I'm just sharing good news only. Only good news. You know, it. That's we wish that was what the news was, but it's not. Like, yeah. And we, we live, I live in reality. Like, I'm not, I try to be apolitical, but I'm also realistic and I'm not ignorant. Um, so I play the game. Like I said, I'll, if anybody, <laughs> I'll talk to anybody about anything. Um, and it, yeah. You have to constantly educate yourself and live in authenticity of who you are in order to have a real conversation with somebody. Like most people get triggered and go off on a tangent of instead of have, sitting down and having a conversation. Like I think it's a beautiful thing when two people, like my friends that are super liberal and are left wing, like I'm more of a con- obviously conservative, but I also have some liberal views and things like that. Like I have some friends that are pretty extreme away from me and we can still sit down and talk. And I still love them. They love me. And then we can walk away and no hard feelings. But that's rare these days. Like, it's so triggering. And it's all, in my mind, it's a bunch of shit that can get in the way of people healing themselves. And it, it, that, that upsets me where politics is such a huge part of people's identity that they can't put that shit down for two seconds in order to look at the real issues of helping people that are suffering. Right? Like, so, and it happened when, like, when Trump was in office. People say, "Oh, he hates veterans." I'm like, he did great things for for me, Vetoga. Like, we were working with his um, his initiative for suicide prevention. Like, he had a whole initiative, and we were partnered with the White House and with this this task force he created to to help combat veteran suicide. And we were working towards it. And when Biden took office, they dissolved that whole component and turned it. I over had no to idea of that, to be honest. Nobody did, and that's the problem. Like, because of politics, people like like orange man bad like they don't they, they won't look past like the good things he did like I, i'm not saying i like trump but i'm just like yeah, yeah no but, but this is something that affected your life personally and your organization and potentially saved veterans from killing themselves it was a huge initiative there was money being for millions of dollars being given to not about to be given to nonprofits like myself um and then like i said when biden took off it anything with trump's name on it they dissolved it and then they they rebranded it and it came out and our partnership was when they dissolved it, our partnership disappeared. So now I no longer have access or a voice 
in that that arena that I had access to with to the white all the way up to the White House, like another like my organization and helping them and uh, like Congressman Tim Ryan, like he's got some negative shit lately, but he had a bill, the post-traumatic growth bill that he put in, which was allocating millions and millions of dollars for veteran nonprofits like myself that were non-traditional healing mechanisms that were not traditional medicine, right? And that got crushed because of politics too. Like there's shit like that people don't even know about. Like, but there was a, you know, it's called the post-traumatic growth bill. If people look it up, like I was a part of that and like talking to Congress, his, his office and working with those things, like and writing policy potentially and allocating money to the, to help veteran combat suicide through smaller nonprofit work, as opposed to giving somebody uh, the VA, giving them a pill to, yeah. to help. I, I would hope like you and other veteran organizations that were affected by that, that could continue to be vocal about it and speak out about it because no matter who is in office next or applying pressure to the current office, I mean, these nonprofits can use the help. And also I, I hate to say it, I mentioned it last week with Nick Merrick and I know that he agreed like the bigger veteran nonprofits, the ones that we see on TV every day, tend to be the ones that have a giant bureaucracy in themselves. And it's these executives of these organizations making most of the money and it's not going to help veterans and it's not going no, to help not. the individuals. No, I saw direct, like that post-traumatic growth bill would have helped in the, the funding. And then what Biden put out is it they did they did rebrand it and they and they did a short window for veterans it was millions of dollars and but it the way it was written you had to write out like you needed a giant nonprofit in order to execute for this grant money it wasn't open to the little guy it was like these giant the only people that were going to have access to this money now was these giant organizations that are probably like uh, wounded warrior project and all that yeah yep and they're not those people are you know you look at their overhead like there's sites you can look at like GuideStar and these other sites. You look at a nonprofit, everything's public. And I think the rule is about 30, 33% of your money has to go to your mission, right? Like in very these, little, yeah. So say Wounded Warrior Project brings in $20 million a year. They're spending maybe a million, a couple million on the mission. And then their executives and all their other people are getting this money. Like, And a ton of I'm it not, on advertising, of course. And I, yeah, I'm the opposite. Like any money we get, it's like nine, mine's like 90% goes to the mission. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to see just how corrupt some of these are. I mean, there's one in particular, I will, I won't call it out because it's, I don't, I, I don't know all the specifics, but I could tell you this, uh, Mike Schlitz, who we had on the podcast, army ranger lost both of his arms in combat body is completely, you know, really burned for everything in his face to his legs. I got to meet him at a charitable event that uh, it was a race in New York City, and I won't go into what organization, but basically they were supposed to build Mike a smart home, and they were dragging their feet on it like year after year, and this was supposed to be done, and Mike does a lot of work for a few organizations, including the Gary Sinise Foundation, and Gary Sinise Foundation was like, I don't know what's going on, but we're going to, we're going to do this, take matters into our own hands. And we're going to make sure we have this smart home built, even though the money from yeah. this other organization was supposed to help you with this. And like, that's why I know that that's an organization I can trust because they, with their money built Mike Schlitz, a smart home that he now has a weight room in and can do all the great stuff that, that keeps him positive. And, um, and I know that this other organization 
the you see him on TV all the time. That's probably where the money is going. So, you know, yeah, Gary Sinise is fucking awesome. Like yeah. they they he executes on the mission. Um, and there's a lot of these other nonprofits that don't, and it it is sad. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, this I appreciate you giving me a voice and my my nonprofit, my small nonprofit. You know, or hopefully one day we're a big nonprofit. We're we're back here and uh, talking about how much how many people and money we spend on veterans. So. But it's, I think it's important to have these like niche groups to have Nick on last week that where a veteran listening might say, yeah, I want to hop on a motorcycle. I've never done that before. I want to hop on a dirt bike, enter a race. And that might appeal to them. Someone may hear you and say, I've heard about yoga. I've never really gotten involved. I've never um, connected with a veteran who went through similar things, who saw combat as a contractor, Marine like yourself, and, and something that you say may resonate with them. So Actually, I think a, a good way to wrap it up, too, would be, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, our audience, it's, it's about like half civilians, half veterans, all very supportive of veterans, organizations in the military. I mean, if there's someone listening, going through a similar thing that you went through, and they just happen to be listening, I mean, what, what would you say to them? Don't suffer in silence. Um, don't, don't make excuses. Like, you know, ask for help, swallow your pride and just reach out to somebody and it vice versa. If you know people are suffering around you or you see somebody's off, like reach out to them, call them, um, you know, so organizations like myself, we, we try to reach people through our community, like community is huge. And when you're detached from community, that's where isolation comes in. And that's where a lot of suicide and other things come in. So find community, find people you connect with. And if you don't, if you're not and that doesn't mean that there's negative communities too. There's positive coping mechanisms, negative, co- like drinking for me is a positive thing. I like to drink. And it, it's good, but a lot of people drinking is a negative thing. So same with community, like find the right community. Um, and if you need a community, reach out to us. Like, um, you know, on our website, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but you know, we have a newsletter and it, we, I only send out one email a month. Uh, it's not, there's no, any like that, but we also have a place to sign up for these trainings, or you can reach out to me directly, justin at vettoga.org. Um, and on the website also, we, so we, one thing we didn't touch on, like we, now we partner with Amazon military and we produce these uh, 14 day yoga challenges. And uh, we do one for uh, mental health awareness month in May and suicide prevention month in September. So we post those on our website. And what that is, is, it is a 14 day challenge to do 14 days of yoga and it's directed towards beginners. So you do physical yoga one day, breathing the next day, meditation the next day and a couple other things. And it's very accessible and anybody can do it. And I have direct feedback from Amazon employees that participated that were suicidal and are not suicidal. We have their testimonies from just doing a 14 day yoga challenge something they never would have done before, but because it was brought to them through their company and through the veterans like them, they trusted it. And anybody can, it can be civilian or veteran, anybody can do these challenges. So that's one way we can reach people like that. Um, what would they I, look up on Amazon to find it? It's not, it's on, but it, it'll be on our webpage. It's okay. And we said it, in it, so our webpage, it'll, it'll be, it, we always put it at the header. So it'll be um, at the end of February, we'll start putting it up, but uh, or not February, um, April. So May will be 
uh, mental health awareness month. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put that out, but uh, it's always on the website when we do these challenges. And if it, if they sign up for the newsletter on the website, um, all they're going to get is once a month, they'll get a, a newsletter. And then we put those challenges in that too. Perfect, man. So yeah, the website, as always, is uh, well, I'm, I have the Instagram in here. I know the Instagram is Betoga DC. What's what's the actual website? It's Betoga, B-E-T-O-G-A dot org. So it's okay. Betoga.org. Yeah, I actually do have that here. So Betoga.org. And then your personal Instagram is at jblazeyoga. Um, yeah, anything else, man? I thought this was a great conversation. We went all over the place, but I, I <laughs> yeah, like I speaking with you and it's it's just... It's it organically kind of happens that way. Yeah, I appreciate it. I do like I, I like our conversations. It is uh, it's authentic, and we we do go to some hard places that some people are scared to talk about. So I appreciate that you know going on that journey and just exploring things, but uh, more importantly, giving me a voice and opening up Batoga to to your listeners. So no, it's perfect, man. And and I, I think you said it last time. I mean, we we just have some similarities. We both have good relationships with our families and. You know, mm-hmm. like being by the beach, I do a little bit of yoga. I, I'm not on your level by any means, but I think that's why what you do resonates with me for sure. And, and it's great to hear that the work continues on with helping people and, and people getting in touch with you. And, and like I said, it's definitely a gift, the fact that you're someone people feel that they could touch, you know, base with if they're going through a tough time and they know you've been through it and that you're going to be vulnerable and, and be yourself. I appreciate it. You too. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never Never quit. quit.